Welcome into episode 41 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Well, we've got a lot to talk about on the podcast this week. We've kind of got four like little mini topics, which as Christian pointed out to me before the podcast means like a lot. This, this could be a really long podcast. It won't be as long as last week's, which I know like we talked about last week, how we were having some technical difficulties. So we're like, oh, this podcast can be really long. It was like an hour and five minutes. It was, we went maybe like 10 minutes over what we usually <laughs> think, do. But I in think, real time, it was like, like over two hours. Two, yeah, like recorded. almost two and a half hours to record. Just what was it? Just an hour and five hour, 10. So yeah. it came out way better. I thought that was a horrible podcast. When we recorded it. But when I listened back, it wasn't horrible. I think if you disagree yeah, with the listeners, I'm sorry. I don't know if you want to open up like anyone to tweet at us that like actually it was a horrible podcast you were right well i'd like, assume they're not back for this week if they thought it was horrible true. last week so that's true. yeah fair enough fair enough um, well speaking of last i'm week, gonna derail the podcast immediately actually before we can get into the lovely game that was ucf versus cincinnati um i just this tweet was from yesterday but i just noticed it before we came on that big game boomer account who's like an oklahoma fan with a lot of followers he's the guy who like just tweets random lists yeah. Uh, like every day and he's just a random Oklahoma fan, but people get very upset about the lists <laughs> and they become massive arguments. I actually have a lot of respect for that guy. Cause I'm not even sure how he built this following, but I really do appreciate it. And I love watching the fights every day, like every day, like he'll be like, here's the biggest pizza joint in every college football town. And you've got like Tennessee fans, like trying to strangle like LSU fans in the replies. It's awesome. Yeah. But he tweeted, he tweeted his head coach hot seat rankings and Gus Malzahn is eighth. <laughs> Which makes like no sense, like literally, like no sense. I I'm just so like, I, I, like UCF could lose out from here, and Gus Malzahn would not even be kind of on the hot seat. I feel like a lot of UCF fans have their wish with him being on that list. I don't know. We need to be careful with a lot because Some. listen, for those of you listening to the podcast, you probably know, but UCF played Cincinnati this weekend. It didn't go too well. And uh, I, you know, there are some fans that are hopping off the Gus bus, which isn't really surprising. I'm, should, I'm yeah. kind of like, I'm not as upset with the fan base as I usually am because I started following this Twitter account, this message board geniuses account. Have you seen that account? <laughs> yeah. And it's really made me relax because I realized that it, every fan base is dumb. Like, like there were Alabama fans who wanted Nick Saban to retire after the Texas A&M loss. Yeah, like, like, so right, I'm just, time. it's passed him up. <laughs> exactly so, so i'm just kind of at the point where now when ucf fans like fan like there were a lot of people who were like yeah this just proves should have hired levy and i'm like i'm i think instead of getting mad i'm just going to pretend you don't exist because your opinion doesn't matter that's so that's kind of where i'm at right now <laughs> that's probably the better route to take because like I, if you're mad at gus smalls on for how the season is gone then i you, i just don't know what to say to you honestly yeah like i've caught myself like wanting to like and i don't really I typically don't get into Twitter arguments because I don't feel like I waste my time and don't want to do it. Um, so I just usually don't respond to people if they tweet dumb things at me. But I caught myself on Saturday just getting really annoyed at people with their their expectations of like what the after Dylan Gabriel went down, I think like all the expectations should have probably gone out the window and they just haven't. I think now people still expect UCF to be like a 10-win team with a, a true freshman quarterback and a hundred injuries. So yeah, well, here's what it comes down. And we play a role in that. I mean, we fed those yeah. expectations. We were the ones on the podcast last week who talked ourselves into that. That could have been a competitive game. Yeah. And truthfully, I still think it could have been. It could have if, been. Um, you know, UCF had not played horribly literally across the board. That I mean, I, Cincinnati is <laughs> really good. That defense is insane. Yeah. I, I don't. I can't remember a time UCF has played a defense that good. Um, I literally cannot remember a time. I'm trying to think back, but they were suffocating. But yeah. I, we'll get into it. But like the defense, the defense actually didn't have nearly as horrible of a day as the scoreboard showed. 
Um, I think a healthy UCF team, that's a game, but not a healthy UCF team. So that's just kind of where we're at with this season is I think in a lot of bets are off with these injuries. And also I don't get what the point was of Bowser coming back, but then basically not getting any touches till the second half. That was confusing to me. I'm not yeah, sure if I guess fully healthy or what. Gus said on on oh, we should probably also mention that. Well, I guess everyone will know this since it's gonna be out on Tuesday, but we're recording this on Monday. So we yeah. have an early, well, it's early a short pod. week. Short yeah. week. Games on week, Friday. Early pod this week. Um, but yeah, so Gus said during his Monday press conference that Bowser's at like 80%, I think he said. And he's okay. The, the good thing was that he got through the Cincinnati game without any like more further injuries. So like he's still kind of on getting on his way back, but not having any added stress, I guess, to whatever injury is. is he really seeing, changes right? the game for but them. But he does. His, his, the offense looked so much better when he was a part of it in the second half. I mean, yeah. it just, he, and that's not taking anything away from Johnny Richardson because I think Johnny Richardson has really started to shine as the games have gone on. But mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest differences is Bowser's just a really good blocker. And that's just really helpful when you have a true freshman quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess we'll just, we'll get into, uh, we're not going to spend too much time on the Cincinnati game because I don't feel like there's a ton to talk about, but. What there is to talk about with this is, and, and you said like it wasn't a competitive game, and I still do think it could have been if UCF hadn't shot itself in the foot a million times in in just so many different ways. Because yeah, the spe- so we'll talk with we'll start with special teams, which is I think a hot topic for everyone because it's been it wasn't just a Cincinnati game; it was the blocked punt against Navy. It's it's been a problem. And it's finally at the point where we can't hide behind, well, that was a rough game anymore. Like every game special teams is close to, if not a disaster. So (laughs) So. I mean, the the offense goes three and out on the opening drive and then has a punt tipped and gives since is an eight yard, turns into an eight yard punt and Cincinnati gets to, you know, just easily go down the field. I think it was like a, what they have like a 30 yard drive to score a touchdown, I think. Yep. So there was that. And then you, know, there you was... can't have an eight yard punt when you're playing the number three team in the nation. You just can't. That's just <laughs> not was... a thing that can happen. Then there was the uh, the muffed punt late in the game that gave them, I think, an eight, like the ball inside the 10 yard line. So, like, that's two touchdowns. Which right that there. was coming. Every punt oh, return yeah. was almost a muffed punt. And the then one it right before just that, happened. The one yeah. right before that, he drifted on the ball and, and somehow caught, came up with it. And I was like, that was scary. Like, I'm almost at the point where I'm like, maybe we just need to make a rule that we're no longer fielding punts. Like, I'm kind of at that point now. Just run away from the ball. Just run away from it. Like, it's not worth it if you're just – because it's a turnover at that point. I mean – Well, then we saw the other – we saw the the flip side of it, what special teams should look like. Because I think Cincinnati dropped the punt down like the one-yard line at one point and gave UCF a a really long field to work with. So, yeah, it's just – it's becoming – a it's a huge problem. And Gus – I mean, Gus said that on Monday. He said they need to turn it into an advantage, which it just definitely hasn't been so far um and so though he had did, our first um go ahead he did credit um daniel abarski and said that he feels really good about him and he says he thinks he's going to win ucf some games down the stretch so which that was a we, terrifying comment we've told my opinion. We've, we've turned around to the point where the only part of special teams that were like actually like all right this is going well is daniel abarski shocking it's shocking yeah. I, you him, know, though. I I really don't want I feel, there I feel to good be any for point. I don't want there to be any point this year where Daniel Obarski is coming out to win a game for UCF. And that's not even like a oh, Obarski thing. I just, I'm done with the close games, man. Like, I would just prefer UCF either gets killed or <laughs> kills from here. Like, I really, but we finally had our first like bona fide, I want the coach fired tweets of the season. And it's been towards UCF special teams coach, which I do appreciate that most of the people tweeting it haven't even bothered to look up his name. They're just like, fire the special, fire teams, the special coach. teams coach. But I looked it up because, you know, well, I you know, already knew it, but we looked it up to talk about it. Looked up his background. It's Brian Blackman. Blackman. I'm not Blackman. sure to pronounce the last name. Blackman. Okay. I think so. Um, so before he is also UCF's tight ends coach. That's never a good sign. And uh, he, before coming to UCF, he had basically had just one year of like sole special teams coordinator duties. He'd always split it. Before that, he was a high school coach. I don't know this, but he was like a 20 year high school coach and was an offensive coordinator at their high school level for a long time. 
Typically, when you have those guys on staff, they're very good recruiters. I don't know if that's the case here. I'm just assuming. I have an alternative to firing him after the six games, which, you know, which, by the way, if the fans were in control of that, I swear to God, UCF would have had like 40 head coaches by now. (laughs) But, you know, I think that, and I know not all schools do this. I'm kind of at the point where I, like, how about, and Gus Melzahn did not even use all of his budget for his coaches when he came in. How about we have someone who's just a dedicated special teams coordinator? Like, why does that yeah. have to be someone who's split with another role? And honestly, when you look at him, he's only been at the FBS level for a couple of years. It almost feels like they looked at the staff and said, you're the least experienced here. You deal with special teams. Yeah, no, it needs to be a more of a priority. And I don't, I don't know what the thinking was behind that. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was just something that, I don't know, went into that, went into that decision. But yeah, it, instead of just saying like, oh, you're gone. Why don't you say, yeah, you be the tight ends coach and we'll actually hire a special teams coordinator. Because I feel like, most programs have a like a dedicated special teams coordinator, right? Like, I mean, special teams is such a, a huge part of every football game. I don't understand why it's kind of just like a like a position you would ever split, you know? Yeah. And especially it's also you need to have a good coach for it because it's basically the only coach other than the head coach that has to have relationships with both offensive and defensive players. I mean, I feel like it's a really important position. And what did I say to you? you right? I said something like where they were kind of just like, oh yeah, like sure, like you go, you take care of special teams. Like it wasn't like a, I'm sure there was more that went into it than that, but it just seemed like, I'm sure oh, there was need, too, but when you we need someone staff, to run the special teams drills, you go ahead and do it. Like, yeah, when you look at the staff and it's the guy who has like the least FBS coaching experience and is also already a positions coach. And they're like, congrats, you're also doing special teams. Then yeah. I'm just kind of like, ah, oh, why is special teams bad? I just can't. Cause also to an extent, but special teams really, it isn't like offense and defense oh, well, they just have to recruit better talent. It's like there are fundamental things that are not working on special teams for UCF right now. And I think a lot of it has, and we see, keep seeing punts get blocked or punts almost get blocked. And I think a lot of that is on the protection and stuff. So yeah, it's just, it's stuff that they should not be like messing up on. It's just- And the returners, they simply, they just, they don't have the instinct for when to and when not to feel the punt. I mean, (laughs) if you are in a situation where you're going to have to make a diving catch to field the punt, that means you shouldn't be fielding the punt. Like, I I don't know how to be more clear than that. I mean, we even had the, it ended up not happening. I don't know why the refs eliminated, but remember against Navy, was it Johnny Richardson who caught it outside the end zone, then like moonwalked back into the end zone and knelt. (laughs) But for some reason, the refs were just like, actually, we looked at it. And since it's UCF, uh, that didn't happen. But yeah, it's just, it's been rough every game and I'm kind of sick of it. That was my breaking point from that game. It wasn't Cincinnati putting up 56. It wasn't the offense basically looking listless the whole game. It was freaking special teams, man. Like that was my breaking yeah. point. Yeah, because I mean the offense. I don't. I mean, we talk about how good the Cincinnati defense is. The offense is just obviously a work in progress. You've got a true freshman in his third start of his career, and it just it, it looked it looked him against that defense looked about I guess as you would expect a true freshman to look. And I think, I don't know. It just seems like. Maybe do we think we, you think we expected too much from him right away, or is it just that UCF's kind of easing him along more than we realized they, they, they maybe that they would need to? Because I don't know. I, I think just, I think we expected freshman Dylan Gabriel, and we got freshman Kenzie Milton. That's a great point. That's a, actually a really good comparison. Yeah, and I don't like. I know a lot of people are hopping off the Mikey Heen train, and well, a lot of you weren't on it to begin with. Um, I do want to point out one trend that at some point UCF fans are going to have to think on this. Um, you have disliked every single quarterback since Mackenzie Milton. You yeah, dislike Daryl Mack. <laughs> you dislike Dylan Gabriel. You now dislike Mikey Keene. So I feel like at some point you need to just stop waiting for Mackenzie Milton to walk through that door because he's not. Um, I think Mikey Keene has, I, I, and it's, it's too early to say that he's another Milton. I don't think he needs to be another Milton. It's too early to say he's not. I think he's done what you honestly want to see from a true freshman that was, you know, a big time recruit. And it's not, the, not a big time recruit, but from UCS perspective, I mean, was that, 
he struggled at times, true freshman struggle, but he has shown some real flashes. He has really good instincts for a true freshman. He doesn't make stupid mistakes. The raw talent is clearly there. And you see that occasionally there've been a few moments where like the pocket collapses and he's diving around and getting out to extend the play. There's moments where he's got, he's just had these really nice throws downfield. I mean, the moments are there. And that's kind of what we saw from, I mean, people forget they're kind of rewriting Milton's history a little bit. UCF fans thought Milton was a bust his true freshman year, but it was very much the same thing where he would have rough games, but we'd see enough flashes to know there might be something there. And then he put it together. I mean, being a true freshman's hard. I'm not, I'm not upset with where Mikey Keene's at. I will say, and I, I, it feels like a coaching thing. I, I would like them to open things up for him a little bit more. I don't know if that's a Mikey Keene decision as far as the place he's making or a play calling decision where it feels like there's a lot of not wanting to take shots, not wanting to go for explosive plays, but that's my only gripe at this point. Yeah. And that's, that's the one thing like I, don't ever feel like harping on it too much because I don't know what has gone into that decision or what has gone into just the game planning for that. Cause maybe there's a reason behind it that we don't know, but yeah, I would like to see the offense opened up a little bit more because after a while, and again, you have to take Cincinnati's defense into account, but after a while, it was just like, you're throwing these, like it's just a screen after screen after screen. They're shutting down the screen. Like as good as their secondary is like, you're going to have to maybe try to challenge them at one, at some point or another, but you know, and that wasn't I, just against Cincinnati. I mean, yeah. in, all, in all of Mikey starts, we just, there haven't really gone. And I thought it was interesting because we've talked about how they haven't really gone for big plays or explosive plays. And then Gus said in his presser today that the difference is they need to be making explosive plays. So now I'm down to like, is, is it a keen thing? Is keen just, is he just looking more for a check down than for that? Than yeah. For something like that. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe as the season goes on, maybe we'll start to see a little bit more of that and he's going to get a little bit more comfortable and taking those shots. And I think, there's some there's certain things they're gonna try to coach I don't want to say coach out of him but like Gus was very clearly unhappy with the pick 63 like said can't have that like wasn't a good throw wasn't a good decision timing wasn't there um but yeah I mean it's it's clear the offense is a work in progress and this is something that I mean I need to give you credit for and um it is different because the circumstances have changed with injuries and especially with Dylan Gabriel's injury but obviously this is a foundational year at this point like especially once the injuries started piling up and Gabriel went down very clear that like, hey, there's going to be like UCF's going to take take it on the chin a couple times here this season, maybe more than a couple times. And the fan base just it seems like I said this something like that on Twitter, like every week when things aren't going well, you don't have to just you don't have to come like just blow up on everybody and say, let's fire the staff like this is a horrible team, whatever. Like there's gonna, there's growing pains, clearly. And that's where it is right now. And speaking of growing pains, I feel like the defense is growing. The defense is getting better. I need to say a couple more offensive things before. Yeah, go ahead. Just a couple. First off, I do want to say for as horrible as that was, UCF scored more points on Cincinnati than anyone has this year, except Notre Dame. Um, Yeah. I don't know if there is anything to that. There probably isn't because Cincinnati also scored more points on UCF than they have on anyone else. But um, I also want to point out real quick, then we'll move on. No, even comments need to be made. You point this out, Bailey. Um, Mikey Keene had more passing yards than Desmond Ritter. Mikey Keene had a better completion rate than Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter is not a Heisman quarterback. He is not an NFL quarterback. He is a game manager. Anyway, we can move on now. The defense. Yay. Yeah, the defense, I thought, you see 56 points up on the board, and you're like, well, that's even had a horrible day. Not but ideal. Like, <laughs> already mentioned two very short fields from special teams. One of those touchdowns on a pick six. So there you go. There's 21 points right off the board. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know what Jerome Ford, like, that guy is just a beast. That's, that's where all of he the Cincinnati Heisman hype should be going, I think. That dude um, had 189 yards and four touchdowns on 20 carries. How yeah. is that dude not like a household name? 
And that's the thing is like stopping, stopping the run has been something that UCF was actually like been pretty good at so far this year. Um, so for that to be like the big thing was not so great to see, but for the yeah. most part, like I, I thought the defense had some, some good moments and I thought the defense really, I, I would say that of the three phases was the most encouraging to me. Yeah. And like I said, because I, I tweeted basically along those lines and some UCF fans were like 56 points. Like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, yeah, but you kind of have to actually like, look at the game here. Like, like you said, there could be a case made honestly for up to 28 points, not being yeah. on the defense. And you're listen. Yes. Yeah, there was another turnover. Wasn't there? There was another turnover. They yeah, gave in a short field. Yeah. The first Cincinnati day. put up 56 points. Listen up. I, I didn't want this to be the case, but I just kind of have to acknowledge it now. Cincinnati like probably could actually win the national championship. Like, I'm not saying they will going to feed his hard, but like that was a really damn good team. And the defense actually a few different points in the game kind of got them out of their rhythm. And especially they came out of halftime. And I know you could argue like, oh, Cincinnati took their foot off the pedal. I don't think Desmond Ritter wanted to take two giant hits in a row. I don't think that was like in their game plan. It was to the point that like he was rattled. And honestly, I just, I saw this has been two straight games now for the defense where they've played with more aggressiveness. They've gotten to the quarterback. They've kept the opposing team from getting into some insane rhythm or just marching over them. I mean, I mean, Cincinnati scored a lot, but a lot of those drives Cincinnati, it was, it, it was a fight for them to score. Yeah. And guess what? UCF's not playing Cincinnati again this year. They're, I mean, the schedule it was so front loaded with tough teams. You look at the remaining schedule and outside of this Memphis game, which I don't even like Memphis, we're saying that's a tough game. There's still only four and three. UCF basically plays since, uh, excuse me, UCF basically plays SMU and that's it. And then a bunch of not good teams. Yeah. So I, I'm excited for, I honestly think the defense is getting better at the right time. I think it's getting better and better each week and will continue to grow. And that's really what you can ask for in a foundational year. And like you said, with, they got, they got Cincinnati off the rhythm in the second half. And I know like there's been both on the, in the, on the UCF side of things. And also I've seen a lot of Cincinnati fans like, Oh, like fickle fickle took the, the foot off the gas, whatever. Like, I don't think that's true because the whole thing, like they were even talking about on the broadcast, they were like, talking about how Cincinnati's whole thing was like, we need to play a full four quarters. Like we've had different times this year where like we've let up or like we haven't, we've, we've kind of faltered. And I don't think like they were just going to say, Oh yeah, well, we've got the game over by halftime. Like we'll just mail it in. I don't think that was the the goal there. I think that's much more a fan talking point than it is actually anything on the field. Yeah. And the one thing I'll say is, listen, a coach might be preaching that players might still just be letting up because you're relaxed in the locker room. It's not a tense environment anymore. Yeah. So Whatever. The one thing I do want to say about as far as excuses real quick, because just, just for the record, UCF fans have, Cincinnati fans have attacked UCF fans, including me, quite a lot for that UCF has talked about the injury issues the UCF went into it. S- listen up, Cincinnati fans. First off, like all of you are horrible. So that's great. <laughs> um, apparently not in person. Everyone who's in the stadium said yeah. like, the Cincinnati fans in person. But Cincinnati fans on Twitter are just, just stay I, off I, Twitter. I'm just glad we're past that game because, like, I interact with basically every fan base UCF plays a game against, and Cincinnati fans are by far just the meanest and, like, just <laughs> insulting that I've ever dealt with. Um, so UCF is not allowed to use the injury excuse, according to Cincinnati fans. Um, do you know how many Cincinnati fans have come in my mentions to say, Selena, I'm talking. Bailey muted himself. We're good. Um, <laughs> do you know how many Cincinnati fans have shown up in my mentions to defend their blowout loss in 2018 by saying, well, those were Tuberville guys, even wow. though – even though Cincinnati went 11 and two that year. So how are they allowed to use that? Which by the way, that is one of the stupidest excuses I've ever heard is yeah, we were in year two of a coaching staff and we were a top 25 team and won 11 games, but that one loss that doesn't count because most of these guys were recruited by different staff. Like 
That is then, actually the stupidest thing anyone's ever commented with. And you guys do that a lot. So the fact that you then turn around and UCF fans can't say that we were injured, stupid. So stupid. Also, um, isn't this Gus Malzahn and his staff's first year? Aren't these not Gus Malzahn <laughs> players? Like, you can use that excuse and talk about Tuberville and whatever. That, that, you can use that for up to four years if you're any team. We could, we, I mean, there are Frost guys that are still on UCF's roster. I, it's just, it's such a stupid, but, but oh, but God forbid UCF point out that their top quarterback, their top receiver are out, a bunch of defensive stars are out, their top <laughs> running back, who's not even their top running back, was supposed to be the third string running back. Is, is still like limping, but oh no, God, you know, there were Tuberville guys in, in 2018. God, oh, gotta, I just, that fan base on. is insane, man. We, I just, I can't. we spent way more time on this game than I wanted to. Cause I know it's good for Cincinnati to win out. Like it would be really good for UCF if they like won the national championship. Cause that brings so much more power to the big 12 going forward. But like, wow. Like, and I know the fans in person were nice. I know people at the game said that the Twitter fan base does not deserve this team. They just don't. <laughs> They do not deserve this or team. that coach. They deserve USF. They like that's what they deserve. But for some reason, they don't, and they don't deserve their coach, who's apparently on his way to LSU and or USC. So, congrats <laughs> on that. But hey, yeah. shout out and enjoy your enjoy your quarterback, who's going to be a first round pick, apparently somehow. All right. So here's the thing. Well, I guess it's probably not the thing. <laughs> also, here's the thing with Cincinnati is that I don't think we have to talk about them for the rest of the year. Like. Uh, I don't think so. We don't have to. Like, I feel like it's probably they're probably gonna. Come well, out. we're gonna have to talk about them one more time because I um am gonna have to sit in a Waffle House for twenty four oh, hours. Shoot, at the end of the season because well, of that. That's fun I for made me. With myself, so I don't really so. care. Yeah, that um, doesn't impact you. <laughs> I mean, I'll come visit you maybe um, for an hour. For an hour. No, you so. won't. You don't even live in the city anymore. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on to. A slightly, actually, not even a slightly less disappointing topic, but probably just about as disappointing of a topic. Let's talk about say, you're about to say not disappointing. The bold title <laughs> for this topic in our outline is disappointing with a question mark. But okay, let's do so it. So we're talking UCS transfer class because we're halfway through the season and it's kind of starting to be a thing that we need to talk about. How this this transfer class that we've had come in has not been what we expected it to be. Did we expect too much, or are they really just yes. a huge letdown? I think we, well, it depends on the player. Um, there is one player, and I want to talk about this last week, and you kind of talked me out of it, and I, I feel like in hindsight I should have because then I would have looked really smart. Well, one player in particular, we kind of turned into something that I don't think was fair in hindsight, and that is Big Cap Bryant. We kind of conjured up the image of this, like, all-SEC guy who was going to come in and just, like, pummel AAC offensive lines and be absolutely unstoppable and, like, sacks every game and just shutting down quarterbacks. And I, he's not even a top two D line for UCF this year. I would put both Kalia and Ricky Barber ahead of him. And yeah, I put Celis, I mean, Celis guard. I put Celis ahead of him too, honestly. Leading, leading and, the team in sacks, but. And beyond that, Big Cats all just had some really not team leader senior moments. Like, I mean, we've had two, I mean, we had the critical offsides against Navy, which we didn't really talk about because it was like, whatever, it happens. Really shouldn't, but it happens. And then again against Cincinnati. And I'm just kind of at the point now where I'm like, man, I mean, it, he's still a good starter. It's not like he shouldn't be starting or anything, but we just, what we came up with for him to be just did not match with what he was. And I think that's mostly on us. We bought, I mean, we can't, as UCF fans say that there's a power five bias. And then also think that when we get power five transfers, they're going to be the best players on our team. I think, this is the thing that's that I feel about specifically about Big Cat is the offsides penalties and like those kind of things have been very, very costly in just like the worst moments. And those are the kind of things that I'm very, very disappointed in. 
And yeah, I think we might have built him up to be more of a game wrecker than he is. But I think it's also important not to say like he's been a complete bust because I think he's had definitely had moments where he's getting close to the quarterback. He's putting pressure on the quarterback. I think he has one sack so far. Um, and then another thing that I, I don't really go back and watch the film, go back and rewatch games as much as other people do. But I would bet that a lot of times he's he's the guy getting double teamed. I think you just look at that guy and you look at like his physique and his just he's just an imposing figure i think he's the guy a lot of time that's drawing the double teams and i think maybe sometimes they're running the ball away from his side so i think there's like the smaller things that like that's where he brings value to but yeah i think we do he, he wasn't he hasn't become this guy that like i think we all talked him up to be and i think yeah and that's like, not and fair on our part like we, we I mean, whatever. Like it's that's that's what it's what we do though. Like that's what. Yeah, I've got a couple and, transfers I have thoughts on, but like I like I said, flat out, Big Cat is it's more on us as media and fans for how that turned out than anything else. Like I said, the big thing to me is you just can't we can't be like UCF's as good as a Power Five program and then expect the Power Five transfers to be infinitely better than anything on our roster. Yeah, like I said, he's still he's still a good starter. He's still an absolutely good starter. And as you point out, like pretty much, I'm pretty sure against ECU, yeah, they pretty much ran him from the other side of the field every single time he was on the field. And I want to so, say, I think ECU might have been his best game so far this year. Yeah. He was, I feel like he was in, in there a couple, a couple key plays. So, but truth be told, Cincinnati, they're built like, they're built like a top tier power five team. And yeah. That, 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 that's what the thing I, I thought was so crazy about 2020, like watching that game in 2020, as close as it was, UCF was getting dominated in the trenches. And I think, oh, no, I have to talk about Cincinnati again because I forgot to bring up a key point. Oh, no. Okay. Go um, ahead. No, no, no. I'm serious. Here's the difference between Cincinnati and UCF. I, I totally forgot. I meant to talk about this. When we were talking about that game. Um, all of those guys that were killing UCF are guys that were supposed to be in the NFL right now, but they came back for another year. That's the difference. And if UCF had gone into that game with Marlon Williams and Jacob Harris and Trey Nixon and Otis Anderson and Greg McRae, and I'm not going to include like Richie Grant or, or take Allen even could have been bad. I mean, all those guys that in a different situation could have returned because Cincinnati had guys who were going to get drafted who yeah. came back. If UCF had that too, it's a close game. But that is the difference: is those guys did not. We had an exodus, and Cincinnati well, had everyone's day. That's where there's so much difference between UCF and Cincinnati, in, in general, is just the stability. Because you talk mm -hmm. about like all that with the players, but also the coach. I mean, Luke Fickle's been there for five years now. UCS had three different coaches in that span. So I remember, I remember sitting there as student media, asking Scott Frost about Luke Fickle, in his first year. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and that, but that's the thing. And then when you have a super senior year like this. Yeah, you have all these guys who load up and they want to make another run at it. But you have UCF who had this like really disappointing year. There was the whole incident where guys got kicked off the team in the middle of the year. We know now in hindsight, the locker room was fracturing. There was uncertainty with Hypel. It was just an exodus. And so you yeah. want to look at the difference because we ever, we talk about someone asked Malzahn's press today, like those teams didn't look the same. And it's like, they're not, <laughs> they're not the right. same. Cincinnati's its best version of itself ever. And UCF not only was limping to that game, but already basically said goodbye to all of its top contributors coming into the season. Yeah. So, sorry. I just had your, what you were saying reminded me of that. So I had to get back to that. But anyway, right. transfers. Transfers. So what, what else do we have on the transfers? Because like, it's... yeah, I want to say, cause we just talked about big cat. I, there are some, like I, I literally referenced Ricky Barber as being better. Ricky Barber is also a transfer. I honestly think it's kind of funny that I've been more impressed with the Western Kentucky guy than the Auburn guy. And I think that says a lot about college football and the way we perceive players. Um, I don't want to get into Bryce Armstrong too much because I think he's been getting better. Yep. He's been looking better by the game. I made a rough start. Um, but there are some others that just, we kind of expected big things from like Jordan Johnson. Has Jordan Johnson seen the field for more than like a play in each game? I remember him one time being on the field and I think it was either 
it, it was something it was for something bad that's the reason i remember it it was like either a penalty or a drop or something something where i remember seeing him say oh hey look it's jordan johnson he got in late but on saturday maybe but that's didn't, what, uh, didn't do anything I just and he was like a former five star and is and oh. listen this receiver group doesn't seem very good so how is it to the point that he can't even get on the field? That's what I've been curious about and I've I've also just looking at some of the like some of the guys that were have transferred Brandon Johnson I think has been the clear like clearest like high impact transfer I'd agree the highest that. impact transfer I should say if Ricky Barber's healthy I'd put him up there yeah Brandon Johnson has six touchdown catches now this year in wow. six games does that lead um, the receivers? I have to imagine. Probably so. has to, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would have to imagine. So, um, you see, scoring like two touchdowns a game at this point. So. <laughs> but when you look down the list, like there's, it's been, I wouldn't say like a disaster or anything. Like it, it's just been a little disappointing here and there. But there's also some guys like there's time for some of these guys. Like Ricky Barber's a redshirt sophomore. Something I did not realize. That is awesome. He's a redshirt. He sophomore. is already very good. <laughs> Mark Anthony Richards, who we've gotten glimpses of, like looking really good. He's a redshirt sophomore. And he's clearly um, a guy who's just not ready yet, but yeah. that can change. He's young. Jordan Johnson, who you just mentioned, still a redshirt freshman. So we like to see him on the field now. And like, I don't know why he's not sometimes. Like, I wonder what it is. That That's kind of what I'm field, saying, though. But... Like, I, you almost wonder, like, I know he left Notre Dame with some off the field issues. And I don't want to speculate what's going on again because I just don't know. So I'm not going to, like, put that out there because I have no earthly idea. Yeah. But it is really weird to me just that. You know, like this season is shot. I mean, there's no goals left at this point. It's just trying to win as many games as you can and get the young guys experience. Why not throw the former five-star young guy out there? Is it just that he hasn't earned it and this is a team where that's important? Well, that's what I've wondered too, because we saw Titus a lot early, but we haven't seen him so much lately. Yeah, and so, you're right. And in the, same, in the same kind of sense, like why not? Since it's, you know, we're playing a bunch of freshmen, like why not throw him out there? But I don't know. I just, there's I'm of the opinion, you know, as a 24-year-old who has never coached football, that... <laughs> I like you can't like practice doesn't substitute for in-game experience. And if you've got a season like this, maybe the young guy isn't playing as well as the older guy in practice, but like, why not let him get some reps? You know, like, why not let him try? I mean, it's going to help him in the long run. Right. I mean, it, it, why give it to the guy who's going to be gone in a year, even if he's yeah. quote unquote earned it in practice. I get it. If you're contending for something this year, but you see, if not another guy that transferred, I think he might be injured. Has Deontay Marks been dealing with an injury? Cause we haven't seen him at all. Okay, I, I could be totally off here to take this with a grain of salt, but I believe he's just not like a factor. Really? Yeah. Because he's a because sure. he's a redshirt sophomore. So like he's another guy who has time. I could be wrong, but that's I think. see that's what came to my head. I yeah. do want to say one thing with how we're dealing with these transfers. I think the problem is when we saw these transfers, we were like, wow, this is great. We made up for all the guys that we lost. Perfect. Love it. It turns out transfers are kind of just the same as recruits. Some some pan out, some don't. Yeah. You know, that, that's really just what well, it comes down to. I remember having delusions in my head that Riker Casey was going to come in and be the the new kicker. And yeah, and they'll, they'll until Obarski locked yeah. it up. Yeah. But I mean, again, Riker Casey's a guy who's a redshirt sophomore. So he's also got time. Like, what is Obarski? What is Obarski? He's a junior. Wow. Obarski's a, a junior. That's a lot of Obarski still to come. <laughs> That's exciting now, though. We're, we're I'm gonna, I, I don't know why I'm still making fun of him. He's been doing really well. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why I'm still. I mean, at this point, honestly, we're at the point where, like, if he had to come out and take a field goal, I don't think I'd be cringing anymore. Like, I think I've gotten to that point now. I don't know if I'm, all, I don't know if I'm quite there yet. <laughs> But no, honestly, like I said earlier, he's the most stable part of the special teams group, which which is which is certainly does, a yeah. Thing. This doesn't say I mean that's not saying a lot, but it's still like he's been he's been good when he's gotten chances. They've actually started kicking field goals now. All um, right, we should stop with the transfers because yeah. like I said, exactly what happened. The many topics are just not many at all. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. So we've we've kind of like dabbled in some of these many topics. We're like the next one we're talking. The next thing we're going to talk about is the second half outlook for UCF, and we've kind of referenced like some glancing references to what we expect the rest of the way and what we hope to see the rest of the way, which is 
we would love to see, I think both of us would love to see the young guys get a chance to get some valuable experience. And I just would like to see the offense opened up a little bit more and some more development from the defense. Like, yeah, I think that's all you can ask for at this yeah, point. You're three and three through six games. The second half of the schedule is much more manageable. And while that's much more manageable, I would still like to see, you know, I don't even think you have to say like, oh, it, it was against like lesser competition. So take it with a grain of salt. Like, no, we just need to see UCF start playing against like the lower, lower perceived lower competition. We need to see them start playing better against them because like in years past, you know, when you see UCF, you're like UCF should blow out Purdue or not Purdue. Why does it Purdue? Is it Space Week? ECU. <laughs> Maybe because it rhymes. Why did I have Purdue in my head? I don't know. ECU. Um, but that's a game that yeah. like you you would expect UCF to go in and win by like multiple touchdowns, not need a like a touchdown with 23 seconds left to win. And like you look at the rest of the schedule, especially so next week there's Temple. Um, then there's Tulane, who's been who's down this year, which we didn't really expect. And then of course the USF game later. Like those are the teams you you would like to see like UCF like go in there and win it with you know ease but yeah, my, right tol- now, my, my uh my Tulane is having a great year prediction did not pan out <laughs> right now when I look at the rest of the schedule like I'm like yeah this should be easy but like I don't know if it will be so like so hear me out you'd like me to out. see them make it look like they're getting better and you know taking care of these teams final six games and I do agree that's the difference to me is I, I I'd like UCF to win a game by double digits against an FBS opponent at some point this season because that has mm-hmm. not happened um you know, and I'd like to see if they could win a road game because that has not happened either. You look at their final six games. SMU is really good. They're ranked. They're undefeated. Outside of that, best record of a team you're playing is four and three Memphis. You've got three teams left on the schedule that have one win right now. I mean, this is like, I like genuinely think that UCF can close. I'm not saying they will because things have to break their way, but I think they could close on a five and one stretch. I really yeah. do. And I think that's an unrealistic goal from what we've seen at this point in the season. I'm not asking for that, but I really do think that if this team can get to eight and four, that is a massive win for everything they've dealt with. And I think that's on the table. I really do. If it all comes, honestly, this is almost like the make or break game of the season in some ways, because if they lose to Memphis, then you have a losing record. It's going to kind of become a fight for a bowl game down the stretch. And I don't think it's a fight they'll lose. I think they'll go to a bowl game, but become if you beat memphis you're four and three going into a stretch of just not good teams i mean temple and tulane should not beat ucf they just shouldn't right. even this version i'm talking about this version of ucf and at that point you could be going into the smu game six and three yeah so it, it, like i said the part of what sucked is that the injuries have sucked but also the schedule was really front loaded i mean you had boise state louisville cincinnati all in your first six games that's tough I mean, even Navy wasn't fun. They're bad this year, but you know, that happened. Yeah. I mean, it's just the second half schedule is a lot easier. Yeah. And that's what you and I have been talking about uh, off the podcast in, in the last couple of days is that if UCF gets to eight and four, like you gotta be happy with that. I said that before the season or like when we were doing our podcast before the season, I said, even with Dylan Gabriel, like before he got hurt, I said, the floor I see for this team is eight and four. And so if they can get to eight and four, considering these circumstances, I will be very, very happy the you know that's that's a five and one finish that's that's the thing is i think you're right about this memphis game is because if they lose sure they could still finish i think seven and five like i still think they could sure they should win there's games that they, on the left on the schedule that they should win but then like if you lose this game you're starting to kind of feel like okay well like some of those could go the other way we'll see if anyone checks out like i don't know well that's the thing you just worry about go. mentality more than anything if right. ucf gets beat up on by cincinnati then goes and loses at home right I, you worry about guys starting to check out you really yeah. do. Versus if they win, I think they can really carry that momentum. 
Yeah, but like like you said, you look at the the schedule. So say they beat Memphis, they're four and three. Then you've got Temple and Tulane, both games that they should win. And Temple Temple is that road game that I think UCF should win this year. They should finish with at least one road win. You, you would really hope. You would really um, hope. I'm not expecting them to beat SMU on the road, but to come back and finish with UConn and USF, if you can get to eight and four, that's, you know, I I would be very, very happy with that at this point. If UCF, if this team with these injury issues and the depth issues goes eight and four, I kind of think Malzahn deserves like a bonus. (laughs) Yeah. Like I don't want to, I don't want to hear it from the fan base. If, if they get to eight and four and people are upset with that. Think about if they go, if they are eight and four, which I'm not saying they're going to be, like I said, I really, I I said to you off the podcast earlier, I think if if they win the Memphis game, they're eight and four. And if they lose they're six and six, that's really how I feel. But if they win and they're eight and four, they they are a bowl win away from nine wins. This team has no business winning nine games, like none. That would be a remarkable coaching job. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's where, um, that's where you'd have to be very, very happy with everything. And, it's it's that's the thing is it doesn't seem like it's that unlikely okay they they really need there's to still a lot of ifs to get there yeah. i mean it's not like a given like i said right. I, I really do think it all comes down to this freaking memphis game which let's talk about it then yeah let's get into it i don't you know if they're gonna memphis. win you don't neither I don't. do i i don't think anyone does <laughs> i don't know what to expect at this point i don't know what to expect from memphis more than anything they've had a weird year they started what three and oh and then Drop three straight to they started was, three and oh they beat mississippi state and it's like oh man they're going good then they lost to utsa that's looked better since utsa is undefeated they lost at temple they lost at tulsa and then they just beat navy like i don't know what it's like i was trying to watch their games earlier it's like depending on the game they either look like the most electric offense you've ever seen or a terrible football team like it's it's very strange so i just don't know which version ucf's gonna get and they're playing a true freshman like ucf so that's probably part of it yeah that's that's where it gets fun is you got a matchup of two true freshman quarterbacks so we could see a really really like both of them could just take off in this game or we could just see like the most comedy of errors kind of game where it ends up being like 21 to 17 or something like that i don't know i think i think it is a good test for both sides of the ball because against fbs teams memphis is giving up 33 points a game so this is a defense that even this offense should have a good game against and it's a good test. Open it up. I want to see them I open know. up the offense. I know, man. I want to, too. Will we get our wish? Who knows? We haven't gotten many of them this year. And <laughs> it's not. a good test for the defense, too. It's uh, it show that you can slow down. Uh, finally, all right, we've seen the last couple games, signs of progress. This is the put-it-together game and shows that you can legitimately slow down a good offense. Yeah. And here's a scary stat. Since Dylan Gabriel got hurt, UCF's averaging 23.6 points per game. That's better than I would, like, think. I don't know. It's not, it's not great. great. It's not, it's not great. great, but I would, it's better than I would like. They need to score more than that <laughs> to, yeah, to win. I agree. Um, but at the same time, I feel I, my one, there are two things that make me feel good about it. Um, it being a space game makes me feel good. And that's not even really, game. that's not even really a joke. Players get hyped up for the uniforms. And I yeah. truly think I, I, I genuinely, this isn't going to come a surprise to you guys since you know how I'm with uniforms, but I am a big believer in like, look good, play good. I really do think that's a thing. I think when you're excited, I think it amps you up. And second, Assuming the crowd shows up, which for some strange reason, I just assume they're going to, it'll be fine. UCF still has not shown that they can lose in front of a packed bounce house unless they're playing like a really good team. Yeah, I'm so. not. I think I'm like done saying things about the crowd because like I said. Yeah, we like, trash them every week and then they show up. Well, that's I don't even do it every week. It was just the ECU game. I was like, oh, that's kind of disappointing. I, was, I even said in the tweet, I said, unless it fills in, this is kind of a disappointing showing. And then it filled in. And so I was like, OK, I was wrong. I tweeted that. No one saw that tweet apparently because people literally oh, were I still know, replying nonstop, just like, "Oh, best we got if you guys filled up." I was like, "You know well, what?" Because oh, I, you sorry. texted me before you tweeted that. You sent me photos like, "There's no one here," 
a couple of people in the press box messaged me. There's no one here. So I tweeted like, wow, sucks. There's no one there. And then it filled in and yeah. I tweeted like, whoa, it really filled in. Like, good job, UCF fans. I love this. Like, I'm really happy about this. Like that actually made me really happy. Then for the next three days, people just replying to the first tweet. They're like, Christian, did it, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I like check the quote tweets, bro. Yeah. I literally said I was wrong, but yeah, that's why way, I don't, I'm just I'm not going to tweet anything like that again. Cause it'll, it'll age bad. It'll age poorly. People will jump all over me. I don't really want to deal with it. So. I think they've yeah, sold so many tickets at this point. People are going to show up anyway. And the yeah. home games are fun. I mean, they win the they home are. games and it's a good atmosphere. Yeah. That's the thing. I think that's, that's become, it's, uh, we haven't had, cause I think even what down the stretch in 2019, which people perceived as a bad year, which at this point, like if, if you want to talk about a bad year, like compare 2019 and compare this year and how we're feeling right now. That's been my weird happiness with the season because I finally got the 2019 people to shut the hell up because I was (laughs) so sick of those people. You know, after a mediocre year like 2019, they won 10 games and finished in the top 25. You freaking post-2017 fans that don't know how football works, stop it. (laughs) So, yeah, I I do. I expect a lot from the crowd this week. Um, Friday night game, space game. I think think that might be part of it more than anything, honestly, is people get really hyped for the space game. So a lot of people are going to show up and – yeah, no, I think I think it'll be a good crowd, and I think when when it's a, a full packed bounce house, I like UCS chances, you know, against a lot of teams. So. I'm dead serious. Like, I unless they're playing like literally like a top five team, like I'll take UCF against anybody in a packed bounce house. I really will. We saw that in East Carolina. The the crowd basically said we got you and helped shut down <laughs> East Carolina in that fourth quarter. I mean, yeah. East Carolina was rattled. So and if that, anyone if anyone wants to dispute that, Gus Malzahn said that on Monday himself. He did. He, he, said, he talked. He, said, he talked about that was ad, as advertised. He said the crowd. Yeah, and he said the crowd willed us to win. They said they would not let us lose, and they, they willed us to win. Um, Do you want a stat? I probably shouldn't put out there. <laughs> I don't like the way you phrased that question, but sure. Memphis has never won a game in the bounce house. I hate. Oh, I shouldn't have said yes. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're, they're zero and six. They're last 0 and six year. The last house. year, snapped their what, like 13, 12 game, like 12, 13 game losing streak to UCF. Yeah, it was something crazy like that. It was yeah. their last win against UCF was 1990 before last year, but they had <laughs> they was, hadn't played like every yeah, year, right? But I think that might have been no, maybe I'm wrong. I thought that was the first meeting was in 1990. It was okay, yeah. So they they yeah. won and then UCF won like 13 straight. Then UCF won in 05. They didn't play again until 2005. Then UCF won in 05, 06, 07, 08, 09, 10, 11, 12, 13. Then they didn't play again until 2017. They played twice. UCF won both. Then UCF won both again in 2018. Then they yeah. lost by one point in 2020. That game will always bother me, I think. Um, I hope that this game comes down to a field goal and Obarski hits it, and it's like oh, the it redemption be, arc of a lifetime. Yeah. Make a movie. That'd be great. <laughs> I actually don't want it to come down to being that close, but no, you're not going to like my score prediction. prediction but yeah, you're not going to like mine either. <laughs> I'm not going to like mine. Should we do um, our predictions? Let's How long are we right now? I feel like we've been going for a while. Okay. No, it's, we're under like, we're about 40 minutes right now. Oh, we're doing fine. Okay. Yeah, let's do predictions because we're going to talk about these. Yeah, you, you go, go first. Okay, I'll go first. Ha, so going in, going into this week, I'm two and sixteen. <laughs> oh for three last week. Um, this one I feel good about. So Calvin <laughs> Austin the third, very good wide receiver from Memphis. Um, I'm predicting he goes over 100 yards receiving against UCF. Why are you? Are you just like trying to get your score back up by betting against UCF now? No, no. I'm, I have I have numbers behind this. I have the numbers. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so against UCF last year, he caught nine passes for 151 yards and two touchdowns. It's pretty God, good. That game was nuts. This year, he has caught 50 passes. I think he leads the country with 857 receiving yards and seven games and eight touchdowns. He's had five 100-yard games. So 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is a defense that's improved, but I think we saw against Boise State with um, what was his name Khalil Shakir, I think his name was. Yep. We saw them struggle to to handle him, and they're different types of receivers as far as I'm as far as I know. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think he have a big game, and UCF could still win. Like I think that, that with your luck, he's gonna have like three catches for twenty six yards. Oh, of course. Stupid. And then I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to reverse jinx this, but if that happens, I'll be I'll gladly take the loss on the prediction. But I just think he's. He's a dangerous player, and I think it's going to be tough for UCF to handle. All right. Well, I am five and twelve, um, which looks glorious. Next yeah, it looks really record. sounds really good. Um, it's still really bad. Uh, my first prediction we talked about already. UCF will have forty thousand plus fans in attendance. I'm buying in on the fan base. I feel like if that happens, that you're not allowed to predict that anymore. Well, like I get so one off for the season. Yeah, I just, yeah. I that's like... fair because if, if forty thousand plus do show up for the three and three team, they're probably going to keep showing up. Yeah. All right, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's all I'll say. But no, yeah, I agree. I think it's. I think I mean, that's all you say. That for, okay, they've had no, no. no I'm just saying I'm three saying home I... games this year. They've only had forty thousand one of them. I think that's a fair prediction. Yeah, that's just that's sad. Like circumstances. Just like circumstances. Well, the first like, one was a three-hour lightning yeah. delay. Yeah, three-hour. That was delay. definitely going to be a packed house before it. How many was that Bethune? Uh, it was like 38, I think. 38. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder, Which, again, another lightning delay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I think it should have been three out of three. I think it probably would have been three out of three. But Yeah, UCF is averaging 40,000 fans when there's not a lightning delay. So <laughs> that's something. But anyway, that's yeah. my first one. 40,000 plus like fans it. showing up. I like it. I'm right there with you. Hit me with, hit me with your second. Um, so I think there will be fewer than 950 yards of total offense between these two teams in this game. Sounds you're like trying, you're just trying to get your score up. Well, no, because they always go over 950. Not this year. They're not going to. Okay, well, and I'm gonna, I pulled the numbers on this, too, because I was just going to back it up because these two teams have played insane games since 2017. So we go back to 2017. The first game, which UCF won a blowout, 999 total yards. That bothers me. I think it should have been 1,000. Um, but then in the conference championship game, 1,479. Then you go to 2018, there was 951 in the game at Memphis. And the conference championship game, there was 1,281. They didn't play in 2019. Then last year was the most yardage of any of those games with 1,501. I don't think that's going to – I don't think that these two teams are, are going to get to those numbers. I think I think it will be a little bit more defensive. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be not because these are like two staunch defensive teams, but just because I don't think either of them necessarily have the offense for that to happen. That's Unless true. it's like 950 yards with like 700 yards going to Memphis. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not <laughs> buying that. Yeah. It's something that's happening. So Fair I think, enough. yeah, I think you, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like you're pulling your punches a little bit to try to get your, uh, well, record up. can you really blame me though? No, that's fine. And also I like, I thought that I thought, yes, it's like probably an easy prediction you would hope. But it's also like I got to get creative with it. Like I wasn't just gonna be like, all right, Mike Keane's gonna throw two touchdowns. I'm tired of doing that. I I'm can't wait for next week like when the... you're like, my first prediction: UCF and Temple will kick off at noon this Saturday. <laughs> you know what? If it was earlier in the season, I could have predicted and said like it would have been a bold prediction to say UCF's gonna kick off a home game on time. That's fair. That actually is fair. I'm gonna predict the coin toss next week. Um. All right, my next prediction: Isaiah Bowser will have multiple touchdowns. That's good. I think if he really is back to being healthy, we're going to go back to using him to get some points. So I'm expecting you're, multiple touchdowns for Isaiah Bowser. You're within the five-yard line and you hand the ball off to him. It's a pretty good bet that he's going to find you. You're within zone, the 20 so. at this point, man. The second <laughs> they get the red zone, they're just like, it's Bowser time. Let's run wildcat. Yeah. And it does. It sounds, it sounds encouraging that 
I guess he was only around 80% healthy for Cincy, but Gus said it was huge to get him through that game healthy. And I can only imagine he's going to be, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit better, this better off this week and hopefully at hundred percent, but which even for the transfer not, discussion we had earlier, cause we didn't even really mention Bowser during that. He's right. kind of a weird one because he had injury issues at Northwestern that's popped up here. So I don't, I, he's looked really yeah. good. He's healthy, but I don't know where to put him right now. That is true. I didn't even have him on my list. I completely forgot about him. Sadly. I don't yeah. know what, I don't know. I think it's because he's had such an impact. I was just like, Oh yeah. Like he's just, I don't know. It's really easy to talk about how disappointing the transfers are when you only talk about the transfers that are impact players. Yeah, that is true. Um, All right, okay. My last one. This one is, is a little more out there. So give me credit here. The space uniforms will look good. I thought about that, but uh, I swear to God, <laughs> Brandon Adams gets his first career interception. He's been playing well. He's he has been playing, playing well. well. And that's why I think he's going to have a moment. And he's going to get it. I buy that one. He's been looking better every game. I buy yeah, that one. I think uh, it was, shoot, I meant to bring up his name so that I could give him his proper credit. But there was somebody who was put, pulling some of the game film from the ECU game leading up to the Cincy game last week and was really pointing out how well Brandon Adams played against ECU. And I thought he had some good moments too against Cincinnati. And so I think, yeah, I think we're seeing him, another a young guy, a freshman who's growing and growing. And we're now we're getting to the second half of the season. Let's let's get him even more confidence with a pick. And now that you've said that, Corey Thornton will get a pick against uh, Memphis. <laughs> well, also you got a true freshman quarterback, so I mean he's bound to make a mistake at some point, right? I mean, you would think he's made them in other games. Yeah. Um, so has ours. Um, now my final prediction is a statement I said earlier that was a possibility, and we will not know the answer to this prediction after this game is over. Okay. I predict that UCF will win five of their final six games. Okay. I think he's, I have UCF beating Memphis, and I think if they do that, they're going to win every game left except SMU. All right. I like it. Now, I know but what I... you're thinking. Christian, are you goddamn insane? And the answer is potentially, but I think there's actual, like, reasons to back up this, as we talked about throughout this podcast. So, I think, I, I think if UCF beats Memphis, I think they will win every game left except SMU. That's a, yeah, that's fair. I, the, I think what's... they will beat UConn and USF by double digits. What's going to be funny is, like, now updating our – our predictions record each week is like, you're going to have now two fewer predictions than I am until the end. So that's yep. going to keep tripping me up. Well, there, I mean, that one will get out eventually. The other one we agreed was just kind of a mulligan because there wasn't actually a way to measure whether I yeah. was right or wrong. <laughs> that is fair. All right. So I guess I might get my score prediction first. Yeah, go for it. This feels like too many points, but uh, I got I UCF. Mine. I got UCF 31 Memphis 27. Are you kidding me? Wait, why? Do you have the same? My score prediction is 31 to 27 UCF. Oh, let's go. Okay. How did we even both do 27? I don't know. And <laughs> originally, like, when I first made this prediction earlier this, like, early this afternoon, and then I changed it a little bit later. Um, actually, I don't remember what it was. I think I still had Memphis at 27, but I had UCF at 35, I think. So I had 35, 27, but now I'm up to 31, 27. And I don't know how we both lined up on it. That's really weird. I was really tempted to do 28, 27, but I was like, I just want to believe that UCF can put up 30 points without Dylan Gabriel. So I'm yeah. going to put him over that edge. Wow. That's never happened before. No, it hasn't. It's just and, so weird that we both went 27 and not 28 too. That's it's just yeah. interesting. And I thought about going 31, 30. And like, so that's weird. We both thought about going the one point. <laughs> that's really weird. Did you, all right, let me ask you about your 27 thought process. Were you, were you thinking like touchdowns plus a few field goals or what? Yeah, I would think like three touchdowns, two field goals, I guess. I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't expect them to miss an extra point. So their Not kicker has missed some extra points. Oh no. And uh, so I was looking at it as I think they're going to get four touchdowns, but their kicker is going to screw up <laughs> on an extra point. It was, was my takeaway on it. 
Okay, I like it. So technically like our it. predictions are different. They're a little different. There's that one little little minor thing, but yeah, no, I don't know. And and it's, I was toying around with picking UCF to lose for the third straight time. Um <laughs> but no, I don't know. It's been happening. Well, I got the ECU game wrong. But I don't know. I, I feel I feel oddly confident going into this game after a 56-21 loss. Um, we felt oddly confident last week too. At this point, yeah, we're just... of course. I think people. I messed with you on Twitter because you said people stop listening to you, and I was like, "Dude, we run a podcast. Like, <laughs> stop telling people to not listen to us." But like, listen to us. Just don't take what we say very, very seriously. Like, don't take it for what it's going to happen. Because unless we're right, in which case, well, then, yeah, of us course, as we experts, obviously right. Like. Yeah, we know we're talking Honestly, about. a lot of what we said in the offseason has kind of come true. I actually feel like we really did well with offseason stuff. Um, we did not predict them any injuries. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess um, that was... I was saying earlier, I'm, I'm mad though, because I, when we were doing our... Uh, I said this to you off the podcast. When we were doing our AAC predictions, you bullied me. I did not bully into, you. I don't know where you're getting that. Into I'll pull up the text. Into making UCF a conference title game participant, because I did not want to do that. I wanted to do Cincinnati and SMU. I still think they could have been if everything was not the way it is right now maybe <laughs> maybe the fun thing is we'll never know <laughs> yeah we'll never know um but yeah you know things happen i'm excited though i'm excited for saturday I mean, fr- saturday i'm excited for friday i'm excited to be back in the bounce house that's the big thing that like one of the bigger factors for me picking ucf to win this game is that they're returning home if they were stay- staying on the road and playing at memphis no chance oh this is a road game i, w- I wouldn't be yeah. I w- also one of our Speaking of offseason predictions, I basically spent six months saying that I think they're going to split the Cincinnati and Memphis games. And yes, a lot has changed since then, but I'm just going to stand by that prediction until the very end. So okay. here we are. Fair enough. All right. Should I get in the news so you can check out? Yep, let's do it. I'll go on Twitter. <laughs> All right. So UCF got a commitment from uh, Lamar Ooh, like transfer. Okay. <laughs> I, can't, I think the thing is like you silently go on Twitter. You don't interrupt me in the middle of my... Lamar related to UCF, so I got excited. Lamar transfer, uh, Les Harris, an offensive tackle, chose UCF last week. Um, Tay Gowan was traded along with a draft pick from the Cardinals to the Eagles uh, for Zach Ertz uh, over on Friday. And um, a little bit of, you know, I guess you can say scary news, a little bit of startling news after the game on Saturday. Um, Luke Fickle was telling people um, to say some prayers and keep the Malzahn family in your thoughts because. Gus had to take a, a flight back to uh, Birmingham to catch up with his daughter who had her had a baby last week and had been readmitted to the hospital with some complications. All is well, thankfully. It came out on Saturday even uh, that all is well with them. Gus and, uh, and Christy were able to go see their daughter and everything's going well. Baby's healthy. Mom is healthy. So good things there. Very happy that everything's good there. Um, yep, for sure. And then Gus had a very wholesome answer when asked about um, the baby being named after him. Um, so go check that out. Um, Matthew Wright had a huge day on Sunday um, playing in London for the, for the Jaguars against the dolphins. Uh, he made a 54 yard game tying field goal um, under four minutes left. And then later made a 53 yard game winner as time expired, snapping Jacksonville's 20 game losing streak, making him the hero of Duval. Love that for him. I just always wanted him to get that chance because he had it with a little, a few chances filling in with Pittsburgh. And this was a fill in chance with Jacksonville, but, Performance like that, I think, would go a long way in maybe getting him a permanent job, whether it's in Jacksonville or somewhere else. 
Um, little, uh, yeah, two fifty-plus yard field goals, including a game winner. I'd say that he, in the final uh, four minutes of the game, like that's yeah. I'm pretty sure they said that's like the fourth time a kicker's ever done that. No, maybe if it's two fifty-plus yard field goals in the fourth quarter, but yeah, for it to be two clutch kicks late, huge. Uh, other NFL UCF news: Latavius Murray scored his fourth rushing touchdown of the season uh, in a Ravens win over the Chargers. And finally, we have a game time and a television television announcement for next Saturday's game at Temple. It's a noon game and it's on ESPN plus. So I, okay. I, I have major issues with that. Um, obviously to the point that I'm like, maybe I should go to Philadelphia instead of watching ESPN plus. That's a real, that's a real thing I consider that today. Thought crossed my mind. Um, literally did. Cause I, I told, we'd actually looked into it and I had a work function and now I yeah. don't. And now I'm literally like, I might go to Philadelphia instead of watch that game um, on ESPN plus. Here's the thing. If it's ESPN plus the TV time does not matter because there is no slot. It's just streaming. So why did that means temple decided that they wanted to play that game? Dude. They're like, Let's just get the game over with. We can go enjoy the night. Is that just what temple football is at? Like, it's just that it's like that roll your eyes. Got to get it over with type thing. Cause I don't think like they don't have good crowds either way. Probably. So like, I think like, if you're UCF, you're like, okay, I think more people are going to show up for a night game. You take that into account the weather. Maybe it's at the point where they're just like, yeah, whatever. Just let's know. get this year over with. Once, is there a, oh, here's the question. Is there an Eagles home game the next day? Oh, that's a good question. I because they might want more up. time to also, I don't know if this is the, I, I'm kind of now trying to dissect why they did this, but like, is because it, because they hate me. Is it really cold there yet? Cause like maybe they wanted it to be a little bit warmer for the game. I thought I about know. that too, but since I live in Florida, I don't care. Okay. Um. So I just, what, what day, what is that? What date is that game? The 30th. The 30th? Yeah. Uh, no, the Eagles are on the road. All right, we're going to do temperature next. All right, so I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah, hold on. Um, if we can go on a tangent about FAMU Stadium, we can look up the temperature in Philadelphia. Sure. It, okay, Ooh. nighttime temperature. So right now, like, the high is 62 today, and the low is 46. Ooh, that would be so nice. Man, that would be. One we can dream. Go. But, yeah, anyway, I just – I don't know. I don't buy that either. That doesn't – it's not like it's dropping into the teens at night or some crap where they can't play a football game. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, so three, three notable things. And it's actually three this week. Cause Christian bullied me last week. And I put five um, <laughs> men's soccer, another big win. They won two, one at number 24 SMU on Saturday. They did so without uh, coach Scott Calabrese, who was dealing with a bout of COVID. Uh, I think he's doing well was, was the last thing we saw. He's getting better. Um, luckily he said he had, he was vaccinated and he said he had some mild symptoms. So good, good news there. Um, UCF now seven and four and they're five and one in the AAC Tied for first in the AAC, although they had the win over Tulsa, so I think that would give them probably the tiebreaker. Um, Caleb Frankie, Tyler Levine, and Mauricio, Mauricio Villalobos were all named to the AAC weekly honor roll, and they're get back on the pitch uh, Friday at Temple. wonder how cold it's going to be on Friday in, in uh, Philadelphia. Um, volleyball, they won 3-0 at South Florida on Wednesday and 3-0 at Temple on Sunday, so they're now 14-6, and 7-1 in the AAC. Uh, Narissa Moravec was named the AAC Defensive Player of the Week, and McKenna Melville was named the AAC Weekly Honor Roll. And they're back on the court Friday at SMU and then Sunday at Memphis. And finally, in a piece of men's basketball news, Taco Fall has signed a two-way deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is just great. Just want to see awesome. him do well. I, I just want to see him do all the good things in the NBA. Everybody yeah. loves him. Just give him. Give I know, him a shot. like nationally, yeah, uh, he got great. a shot and he's got another one. It's great. That's what I'm saying, yeah, just he did pretty. Him. He did pretty well in there. Um their uh, preseason game before you got the contract so. well it's funny because when you go when you go to the uh, men's basketball ucf men's basketball's twitter like a bunch of their like most recent tweets are just retweets from the Cavs with taco fall highlights taco fall things so 
That's all we're on the topic of uh, the NBA. We should peel back the curtain a little bit. And uh, if if you guys didn't know, the Orlando Magic are starting their season on uh, Wednesday. So two days from now. And if you did not know this about me, I I deeply care for that team. And they hurt me very badly every single year. So (laughs) looking forward to that continuing. Maybe we'll like do an offshoot of this podcast in just 20 minutes where I complain about the Magic. (laughs) It's not going to be a podcast. They're just going to be like crying. You were just like... You were just like, we're going to peel back the curtain. I was like, where is he going with this? Like, <laughs> well, I don't really like, I, tw- I very rarely tweet about the magic. Cause I kind of just see my Twitter account as a UCF account, but like, I am like very, I am as big of a magic fan as I am a UCF fan. And um, yeah, I feel really bad about that. Endless pain. So it's cool though. My childhood was cool though. They were really good for a long time. And then I turned 14 and that stopped. And uh, <laughs> here we are. All right. So before we like get too depressed, um, Let's talk about things that don't make you upset. Let's talk about uniforms. Oh, that's gonna make me upset though, because the freaking magic today drops oh, that on. they have it. They have another orange uniform. They haven't dropped what it is yet, but they're teasing it. I oh, I hate that. It's stupid. Let's talk thing about in the world. UCF uniforms. Oh, okay, we can do that. Uniform um, of the week. Uniform of the week is once again, since there's not very many teams playing men's soccer. <laughs> men's soccer's racking them up. Once right again, now. for the pewter shirt and white shorts. I wish they would wear the black shorts. It looks better with the black shorts. But it still looks good. I love that jersey, and they are once again the winners. So and, and an ironic twist: Pewter wins this week, but not for football. Yeah, so they're now eight-time winners, which is you know just widening widening their lead. I have a question, and maybe okay. I should know this, but are the are women's soccer's kits just like that much worse? Because they've never won. Yeah, I don't like their kits. <laughs> but what I need to go look up because I can't. You should them look up. They're, they're just they are very very basic. Okay. They also why like because ex- men's soccer are so so good. I don't know why do women's basketball and men's basketball have different uniforms. I still don't understand that. Aren't women's basketball better? Women's basketballs are much better. It's the same sport. <laughs> and they have completely different uniforms. Never says me. Also, women's soccer, the ones they wear most of the time, it has a black UCF logo, and I I I have not seen that logo used like anywhere else in athletics. Interesting. And I don't really know why they wear it a lot, but I'm not a huge fan. I'm just not a huge fan of any of their uniforms, to be honest. And Honestly, I'm I'm not like the type to just give pity awards. Like if yeah. I don't like the uniforms, I'm not gonna like throw them a bone. So right. sorry, I uh I just not big on the uniforms. Well, well there it'll be much more interesting because we're gonna have women's basketball who's gonna rack up some because I love their uniforms. Baseball obviously is like probably the best dressed team except for football. Maybe better than football, honestly. Men's soccer stuff. Men's soccer, men's soccer benefits. I will be honest, they benefit from having a lot of their season where there's no other competition. But <laughs> that's fair. They're pat. They're stat padding. It's gonna get interesting now that we got but other sports coming in. I don't think there's a lot of um I don't think there's gonna be a lot of suspense about next week's uniform of the week. We'll have to see, man. Yeah, will we? We'll have to see me pick space. <laughs> You're gonna have to listen next week so that Christian will maybe or maybe not pick space. He's definitely going to. Um, but yeah, maybe next in. week will be women's soccer's first win. <laughs> They just break out some surprise kits on the road or something. I think they're I they think wear they're space crazy. uniforms too. No one knew it was coming. It'd be great. Would love God. that. All right. Well, yeah, you're gonna have to listen next week to, to, to hear about that and hear about what's <laughs> hopefully gonna be a UCF win over Memphis. If not, we're gonna have a lot more to talk about, I think, if they lose. Um oh, yeah. but until then, you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams22, at by CA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.